Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Hi, Chris Howard here on the HR on the Offensive podcast. Uh, I am joined today by Kevin Green. Kevin, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Um, well, we're all, we say great, but I guess uh, at the time of recording, um, I don't think there's many people um, globally that can say say they're great, can they? Let's well, great honest. in the circumstances, I think, yeah. isn't it? You know? Yeah, we have at the moment. I have my health, and uh, you have your health as well. So that's yeah. the good thing. And I think you know, I was talking to an HR director uh, over the weekend, and they've had six people in their organisation that have lost parents. Um, and he's got three people off in his own team with COVID. Yeah. So, you know, some people are dealing with health issues and bereavement and all sorts of stuff. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Having your health is most probably everything at the moment. Yeah. And this is quite that's quite an interesting thing because people are almost being hit by that double whammy. Aren't we? We're being hit. We're being smashed by. Um, I'm going to use your quote, actually, and then you can talk to me about it. We're being smashed by this asteroid that you talk about, which is the global economic, I would say slowdown, but it's almost like a complete grind into yeah. a hole, isn't it? I think it? that's the point why I use that terminology. It's like the planet's been hit by an asteroid because, you know, in a normal recession where there's a, a big economic, you know, if you go back to 2008 when I was at the REC, we could sort of see it coming six to nine months out. You know, there's a debate, oh, we're going to have a recession or we're not going to have a recession. And then you've also got to remember that, that recession was six quarters of contraction. So it was quite slow. Mm. Whereas in reality, what's happened from an economic perspective with the uh, COVID crisis is it's just stopped 75% of the economy. It's just not working. It's like it's been stopped overnight. And, you know, that um, level of disruption is very, very difficult for the system to take. In fact, there hasn't ever been a, a, an event like this. You know, we had the Spanish flu pandemic, which killed 50 million people. And a, and a third of the world's population had it in uh, 1919. But there was no response, no government response. You know, we're in a war, whereas this has been a rapid government response to protect health and health systems so they've closed stuff down which has then meant that businesses have just stopped you know a lot of them have just stopped and then they've got all the ongoing costs and none of the revenue so it's um unprecedented so it is from an economic perspective like we've been hit by an asteroid yeah hit by an asteroid and then like like i said we've then got the human part of it as well so you're having to deal with personal stuff as well as the business stuff as well and i guess that then leads nicely into my uh, my first sort of question really which is the hr side of it you know this is hr on the offensive it's a podcast designed for senior hr professionals and they are feeling the strain probably more than most or a lot of business functions i would say because you know, they're dealing with the people side of it. So they're having to deal with yeah. the human side of it. They're having to deal with the personal side of it. They might even have personal issues themselves that they're having to deal with, as well as dealing with large scale problems at the moment. So from that perspective, from a strategic perspective, how do HR teams function? How do they deal with the strategy and plans in the current sort of climate? Well, that we've got? I think you do. You have two things, don't you? One is you have to react to what's in front of you. So you have to react to the crisis and the situation the business finds itself in. 
And that may be having to lay people off. It may be um, running redundancy programs. It may be uh, thinking about furloughing staff. It may be about how operationally do we deliver the services that we still need to deliver to our customers. So you've got to do all of that short-term stuff. As part of that, what you're bringing to the table is how do we live, you know, live by our values? How do we ensure that we're making the right decisions, both from a reputational point of view with customers, but also in terms of what we have consistently said to our people? So sometimes the HR director is holding up the mirror. It's holding up the mirror saying, look, we've got to think about this. We've got to think about how we treat our people. This is a time of crisis. Um, and we've also got to think about customers. So I think the HR directors are playing they're part of the decision-making process, but they've also got to play this voice, this conscience of the business. So I think that's the, the short term. I think what they've also got to be doing, and this is a real challenge, is starting to think about return. So one of the things I've um, advised lots of the organisations that I'm working with to make sure they've got a group of people that are starting to work, a, a, you know, think through what does a return look like? Do we bring everyone back immediately to work? Do we continue to remote working? How, you know, do we bring when do we bring furlough people back? How, you know, what's the right culture? What's the messaging to our people? So you've got, if you like, let's deal with a crisis, and you've got planning, and then thirdly, you've got this ongoing engagement and support of your people through. And your point is absolutely well made, Chris, which is a you know could be huge issues for them in relation to themselves, their immediate family uh, and, and friends, you know, people that have got loved ones and parents um, that are really not well. Um, and again, I mentioned, I think earlier that, you know, I'm, I was working with one director over the weekend who had six people that have lost parents in his organisation already and three of his own team off with COVID. Now, you know, you try to support those individuals going through that process. So it's a, a hugely challenging time for HR directors and, and sort of senior HR teams. So, yeah, uh, it really is. And so does that mean because we're in this state of crisis management, because this has hit us all, does that basically mean that BAU, business as usual, is abandoned? Is it we're chucking that out the window? Well, you've got to review it. You know, if it's not going to help you in the immediate future while you're doing it, you know, you want resource to be focused on the things that are going to help you. You know, the first objective is making sure the business is on the gets to the other side of the crisis mm. and that it takes as many people with it. And to do that, you know, you might have to abandon some of the projects and activity that you were working on because it's not going to add any value in the short term. You can always revisit that in three to six months time and decide if it's strategically important. So my suggestion would be, yeah, review lots of the activity that you are currently doing. Will it help us get through? Yes or no. If the answer is no, then I would abandon a, a lot of it unless there's some kind of longevity that, you know, continuity, which is critical. So. I think we really need to focus the HR resource on the stuff that's in front of us and doing some planning about what the return looks like. Yeah. And do you know what? It's interesting because this time, this time of sort of global challenges that we're having, uh, that all types of businesses from all products and service sets, um, what I find fascinating is that, um, and, and you and I have had separate conversations on this, You've got businesses, you've got HR teams that will have projects in place. They'll have tech projects in place. And these are things that they might have been planning for six months, you know, a year or what have you. And it's going to add value to the business and it's going to improve the efficiency of the business. And so now you've got HRDs or HR teams that are probably looking at these 
these tech projects and thinking, well, do we just shelve them because it's a cost? But actually, there could be value, longer term value in it. So what do HRDs do in that instance in terms of the fact and the situation they're in at the moment? Well, I think it depends where they are in the process. If they if they haven't started, uh, uh, my advice would most probably be to put it on hold, but to continue to talk to whoever you were um, going to use to make sure that they're aware that you are looking to restart that at some point soon. Um, you may even need to think about how you financially support them during that process because you want to make sure that the the suppliers that you've chosen to work with are there when you decide you want to push ahead. So being really positive and and working with your suppliers, I think is if uh, my advice if you haven't started. If you're in the middle of a project, I mean, I would continue. I think I would downsize it, but I would continue to keep it moving. Because what you don't want to do is having promised the business you're going to introduce this new technology that, you know, you return from, you know, this hiatus and then find that people are going, so when's it going to be online? And you go, well, we haven't, you know, we've got to restart the whole thing. So mm. I think you can sort of mothball some of it and slow it down, but keep it going would be my advice. Yeah. So from a let's look at the world beyond uh, this current COVID situation. When do you think HRD should actually take a stop, look up, lift their heads up and have a think about planning for what happens beyond this? You know, because you've just talked about the tech projects. Where do we go with that? You know, you mothball some of them, you continue some of them. You know, at what stage do you then as a HRD say, right, OK, let's start looking at what's beyond this? Well, I, I would start quite quickly, uh, but I would separate. I'd pull out a few people and get them to work on it as a project. Okay. And again, there's some things that you would clearly need to think about, you know, um, the whole remote working stuff. You know, we've used it. Did it work for us? Does it enable us to reduce our premises cost? Do our employees really enjoy it? Are they, you know, once you've got, you've been into this sort of six weeks, which is still a few weeks away you may find a lot of staff really quite enjoy working this way and it helps them balance their life. I've got one client that goes by, actually, we're flexible working. One of the things we found is we can improve our offering to customers. And I went, what do you mean? He said, well, normally it's a nine to five offering, but we're now starting at half seven in the morning and finishing at half seven at night because what we've done is we've started to roster how our people work so that we can keep continuity to customers. So all of a sudden, they can go to their customers and go, it's 7.30 to 7.30. You know, yeah. it's providing value. So I think they've got to think differently. There's another client I, I know that started to use AI and chatbots to provide front-end services rather than a call center. So do we want to continue that when we come back? Flexible working. We've proved that people can work flexibly and that works for us. Why don't we deploy some that? So I think there's really positive things that potentially can come out of this period that HR teams need to look at and decide what they want to do and how they want to deploy it when they get back. And I think you need to be doing that now, but I think you have to pull out a few people separate from the people that are managing the crisis and the people through the process so that you've actually got a very clear, coherent plan to deploy when you get back or when the business, you know, I don't think it will be, we all get back together. I think it will be a, an incremental, they release the pressure and all of a sudden we'll come back in a gradual way over a sort of six week period. Um, and I think that, you know, you need to think about that as well. You know, there is a period where it isn't going to go from nothing to back to normal. There's going to be a process. 
Yeah. Do you think so? That was interesting, and I was interested with the point that you made about the AI and the business taking on the using chatbots and being almost forced into it. Do you think that that's going to happen with some businesses that perhaps they have these project plans in place and maybe they get stuck by a little bit of red tape and all of a sudden they're forced into it? Do you think it's going to? Do you think it's going to result in a mindset mindset shift? when we get out of this situation in that companies will be a bit more bold or do you think that we'll go back to normal and you know i I think i think people have been very bold you know there's lots of organizations that had a few days to get hundreds in some cases thousands of people working remotely from home and Mm. having done that and then proved it can work and perhaps people like it and perhaps it's more, you know, it's, it's more cost efficient and you can provide different services to customers. And we've deployed some technology we've not used before. All of that potentially can be opportunities to improve the business and ways of working and make it better for our people. You know, there's lots of organizations that didn't like the idea of people working from home. You know, mm. people had to ask for permission or, you know, they didn't have the technology and we weren't sure we could do meetings and all sorts of stuff. And and prejudices, which I think have just been blown apart. So I think there's huge opportunities for organisations, but they need to be looking at it while we're in the crisis to make decisions about how they're going to return, because they're going to need to consult their staff and talk to them and and make sure that they're happy with it as well. Yeah, I think there's going going to be some individuals as well that will look, I'm talking about from an employee perspective, there'll be some individuals that will suddenly have had this opened up to them that will be like, well, actually, this is now the new normal. So I don't want it to go back to the way it was. And so from a HR perspective, you could almost have to deal with that challenge in itself, aren't you? From a cultural perspective, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, what you really want to do is you want to get the best of both worlds, don't you? You know, you know, in, in most organizations, do we want everyone working from home all the time? Most probably not. You know, we want people to meet face to face. We want them to engage and be part of the organization, feel that they belong. But there's no reason why people couldn't work at home three days a week, you know, and be in the office for a couple of days a week. Now, if you just did that, you can reduce your premises costs by three fifths. Mm. (laughs) Now, that's a huge opportunity. Um, So I think one of the people that should be quite worried about this is the anybody that's involved in uh, premises in, you know, business lets and stuff. I think there's going to be some huge challenges on the other side. You mean like certain types of businesses that do like uh, shared working and free beer pumps and stuff like that, those types of businesses? <laughs> but, you know, even business, just traditional premises, you know, people that uh-huh. lease out their, their, their you know, buildings to, to organisations who are going to go, well, do we really need that footprint? Uh-huh. You know, I think there's, there's, there's going to be some challenges for, for some sectors on the turn, but some huge opportunities as well. Yeah. And certainly businesses are going to look at, yeah, like you just said, with their different cost bases and they're going to say, actually, we need to, this isn't a new, this is the new normal. And we're going to have to think about the way in which our cost base is allocated. And yeah, that's interesting. So let's talk HR on the offensive just for a minute. Um, yeah. Obviously, this is the HR on the offensive podcast. Uh, and we do, we will get back to talking about some of the issues within HR on the offensive on a more regular basis. But because of what's happened with the the COVID nineteen situation, um, very much mind is on mindset is on crisis management and how do we uh, behave as we come out of of this particular challenge that we've got. So you've helped us out with the HR on the offensive um, white paper. You were one of the key contributors, of course. So how does that thinking from your perspective, given that you know the report so intimately, how do you think that thinking um, about the HR function is going to be impacted by the crisis? Well, I, I think it still stands up to the test of time. It was a really 
thoughtful piece of research. It was talking about HR as it was then, which was about a year ago, but it was also talking about the future. And it was talking about, we have a moment of truth. You know, mm. the HR profession has a moment of truth. We either step into a new world where we add more value and become more strategic, or we will potentially be condemned to doing administrative activity, making sure people get paid, making sure people get training and hiring people. And I think the current climate and the current crisis will only exacerbate that situation. So I think HR will have been seen to be hugely beneficial to the organisation, um, helping them make some big calls quite early. But in some organisations, I expect that they've just given HR things to do. So I still think that the fundamental premise is um, still there, which is we need to up our game. We need to add more value. We need to help organisations think about their people as a competitive asset, not just people that we need to hire and pay to do activity. The bit I think that's changed is I think we all need to become more value-centric. I think organisations will say, We've seen the value of, strangely enough, of you know, defining our behaviours and being consistent. And when crisis is hit, it helps us. It enables mm. us to make decisions. Secondly, I think is that there'll be a review of contingency planning. You know, I think most people recognise their contingency plan for black swan events was poor and certainly hasn't stood the test of time. So I think there will be HR playing more of a role in thinking about risk and how we manage big events like this but at the end of the day you know we still got to hire the brightest and the best into hr we've got to develop our people like never before because i think organizations now recognize through this crisis that it's people that deliver value mm. it's people that provide services to clients that build relationships that innovate that are creative and actually if you start to really think about it if people are at the heart of your competitive strategy then making sure that you fully engage people that you have a great culture that you really are innovating your product and your services and getting closer to the customers are all about people so that brings you back to we've got to manage our strategic assets asset our value enhancing asset our people more effectively than we have done in the past so the piece of work HR on the offensive was great it stands the test of time, and I think more people will revisit post this crisis than did before. Mm. Do you think that when we come out of this current crisis, it's going to the climate is going to be such that HR gets more of a voice at the top table? Then I feel like that's probably a leading question. But. Well, yeah, I mean, I've got I've always got a bit fed up with this debate about top table stuff because my view has always been: if you're good enough, you're going to be invited to the top table. You don't get invited to the top table because of your job title. You get invited to the top table to be a director of an organisation and to make a difference if you can make a difference. So it isn't about a job title. It isn't about HR directors being on the board. It's about HR directors having the capability the mindset and the ability to make an organizational difference. And if you can do that, then you'll be at the top table because people will recognize the value that you bring to the party. So for me, it's a, it's the same point, Chris. It's about we've got to be better than we've been in the past. We need mm. to add more value. We need to be more strategic. We need to challenge more. Uh, we need to get people to think about people from a more strategic perspective. And if we do that, we will always be involved in the strategic conversations because we'd have won the argument. Cool. 
Well, thank you very much for joining me. But just before we go, let's have a quick chat because you're writing a blog, a weekly blog on leadership conversations in time of crisis. Can you just have a quick talk about that and some of the conversations you've had so far? I've done it for the last three weeks. And what I've done is each week I've sort of put 10 little snippets of conversations I've had with chief execs, MDs and HR directors. And the reason I did it was I just thought that most people are experiencing the same thing. Uh, but they're sort of isolated. They're in their own little world. You know, they're in their own business. So what I was trying to do was just show that most of us are in the same position. I sort of start off with, I think people, so in the first week, people were very panicked. You know, there was, this has never happened before. You know, leadership teams were anxious to make decisions. And what I was saying was, you've got to be calm. You've got to think this stuff through. Don't make just decisions for the sake of making decisions. So I've sort of put in some reflections each week. And what I've seen in the three weeks that I've done this is it's moved on. People are calmer. People are now recognising this is going to be around for a while. They're still anxious. They're most probably dealing with the health crisis element more and supporting people through a very different working environment. But there's some real little snippets in there. You know, there's bits about, you know, one organization saying, actually, we're doing okay financially, but we've just got a problem delivering services to our clients. I said, well, why is that? She said, well, we've got people ill, we've got people self isolated, and I've got loads of people at home with kids that can't really do much. So actually, I just can't deliver the service. So everyone's got a different perspective. But again, what it is for me is, you know, I have, a, I have the, I suppose, quite a privileged position of talking to, you know, I don't know, every week I have 20 or 30 conversations with senior leaders in different organisations. And what I'm just doing is it's all anonymous. I call it CEO1, CEO2, MD1, HRD1. And, and But it's getting a bit of traction and people quite like it. And off the back of it, I've done an article for Forbes. I've done uh, some stuff in the States for an HR uh, blog. And so it's basically, and what it is, it's just about reassuring. You know, we're all in the same boat. No one knows exactly how to handle it. We're all having to make it up as we go along. But just reflecting and listening to what other people are doing, I think, makes you reassures people that, crumbs, it's not just us. Everyone's having to make tough calls. We've got to get this business through to the other side. That's my priority. But I want to do it in a way which is consistent with our values and and get as many of my people across to the other side. You know, there's a great story of one of the CEOs, the HR director, said that, you know, they they agonized about laying people off and decided to lay, I think it was um, 30 to 50 people off and, and furlough another 120. Chief exec phoned every single person that they uh, laid off and said, look, this is the circumstances. I have no choice. It's nothing to do with you. And when we start rehiring, I'll put you at the top of the list. So I think, you know, one of the things when we talk about values and behaviours in HR, that's someone doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not what you do sometimes. You know, laying people off is always tough, but laying people off when it's not their fault means if you manage it well, you know, those people will go, I understand, you know. I, you know, I don't like it. I don't want it to happen, but I totally understand it. And would you potentially go back and work for that organisation? Yeah, I think I would. If the chief exec's taken the time to phone me up and explain the circumstances, then I think that's the right way of doing stuff. So that's why I'm sharing little stories, because I think it encourages all of us to do this, you know, handle this in the right way. Yeah, employer brand is not just a buzzword. It is a real thing. And people have long memories and people will remember this sort of stuff, particularly because everyone's in the same boat, as you said, at the moment. Yeah. And I think, you know, that you're right about employer brand. You know, 
if people have got a lovely uh, job page and they've spent a fortune on making it all look nice, but, you know, there are businesses out there that have made some absolutely terrible decisions in relation to their people. You know, there are businesses that I won't use as a consequence of this crisis because of the way that they've treated their people, you know, and I'm hoping that a lot of other consumers, do, you know, vote with their pounds and go, look, I'm going to give the money to the people that do the right thing and not give the money to the people that treat their customers and their employees uh, like they're rubbish. Yeah. Kevin, that was a, I think that's a really good point to uh, to end today's podcast on. Thank you very much for coming along. Do you want to tell everybody where you can be found on the socials? Yeah, best place to find me, I think, is on LinkedIn uh, and Twitter. I'm a big Twitter fan. So uh, Kevin Green, uh, WNC. At Kevin Green, WNC. Kevin, thank you very much for coming on the HR and the Offensive podcast. Enjoyed it, Chris. And we will catch you all soon.